I will definitely be getting another one. <laughs> <laughs> another jacket or another wiener dog? Uh, both. <laughs> okay, this is the thing no one tells you about wiener dogs. They're more addictive than any other breed of dog. <laughs> honest. And I have Aussies where, like, they're literally potato chips. Like, no one has one Aussie. That's just freaking weird. Like... <laughs> We and I have, I've had a lot of breeds like over and over, but wiener dogs, oh my god. There will be many wiener dogs. In fact, I might one day only have wiener dogs when I'm really I old. I can see that when you're older. Yeah, when I'm really old and the 30-pound Aussies will pull me off my feet, I will yeah. be entirely wiener dogs. <laughs> I'll probably have some sort of spits. Probably <laughs> Eskimo or Skipperky or something like that. But you're not going to go Pomeranian? No. No Poms in this I house. like Pomeranians. They're on my list. I will one day sample. <laughs> I'll just give you one and it'll happen to be white Pomeranian. Uh, if it's an Eskimo, I'm going to say no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Christina. This is Legion of Dogs, your free resource for multi-dog living. So we had our first snowfall on the island last week. Yeah, I think about a week ago, week and a bit. Yeah, so uh, we're getting all ready for Christmas. Everything's decorated and we're getting our first snow, which sometimes we don't get a snow, just in case people are wondering. <laughs> so this is a lot more snow than we usually have. Yeah, it was a lot of snow and it was also Frankie Pickle's first snow. Because even though she's from Saskatchewan, she was born in the spring, summer, <laughs> and even they don't have snow then. <laughs> so this was her first snow, and she went outside, and she thought the ground was covered in food. She was so <laughs> excited. It was the funniest thing. I wish I had filmed it, because she was just, like, beside herself in trying to eat as much snow as she possibly could. That and so I mean, when you're a, a wiener, we had, like, snow infinity. Like, it was never going to end. <laughs> so that's how we kicked off our Christmas season here. The other thing that happened, so I've always wanted a deer family, like the light up deer, the little lights on them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've always wanted one of these my whole life. I think they are the cutest decoration. I really wanted one. There was a good deal on like a set of them. And uh, I, I talked James into getting it for me. So he sets up these lit up deer in our front yard. And Oh my God, every single one of my dogs reacted to them, like strongly <laughs> reacted to them. Oh, that's awesome. So that became like a whole training session with Christmas decor that I didn't go through at Halloween. They didn't react to any Halloween decor, but the deer, well, the deer were a big deal. Yeah. Halloween decor doesn't tend to be prey animals. No, but I don't think it was a prey response. Oh, just a what the heck is that in my yard? Yeah, because it was a stiff, tall animal. And I mean, they see deer. And other than the one time Fable chased a wine that was chasing a deer, my dogs don't chase deer. Hmm. So they do chase elk, though. <laughs> so maybe, maybe there's some herding instinct happening. <laughs> 
But even Frankie Pickles reacted at these deer. She was not having it. So, oh. yeah, interesting. Because I feel like Halloween decorations are scary for dogs because it's like mm -hmm. big things and then weird faces and masks on them. I don't know. I'm trying to think of my neighborhood if we actually have that much Halloween decor, though. I don't know if we do. You probably don't get much where you live. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless you set it up yourself. Do you decorate? No. Do you decorate for Christmas? No. No? So you need a deer family is what you're telling me. I have deer families. They just walk away. <laughs> They're not lit up. Covered in little lights? <laughs> no, but they kind of sparkle in the snow. Uh, well, yeah. So I guess you don't have these problems that I have being urban versus rural. No, but I walk the dogs in town and I, I make a special point, especially when I have a young dog or a puppy, to go to like Canadian Tire and Home Depot and all those places that have the big displays for sale. So I think my dogs see them and I've never had um, any reactions to any of them except when Enzo was about four months old. He saw a garden statue of, I think it was of a pug or something like that. Or it was a beagle. It was a little garden, life-size beagle. And he was terrified. That's <laughs> so stiff. And it was a really cute little beagle thing. About his size. We had to go back down the aisle and he snuck up on it from behind the other aisle. And then he sniffed it. He's like, oh, that was embarrassing. <laughs> but yeah, none of my dogs have even looked at some of my client dogs do, but I haven't really had any big reactions. But they haven't been I feel in like their yard. In a store, there's so much of everything that it's yeah. not the same as like a sudden thing on their own yard or like For a sure. neighbor's yard. For sure. I think it's a different experience. But yeah, I happen to have all of my dogs in my arms when this deer reaction happened, which is, <laughs> by the way, guys, not how we want to deal with reactivity. You don't want to have leashes of three Aussies and a wiener dog in your arms and have everyone decide <laughs> they must kill the deer family. Poor deer family. It really shocked me. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can see them from the window. Oh, but they didn't react till they were outside? No, because they were coming down the pathway and then they saw them just on the other side of the cedar and it triggered the response and obviously it only takes one of them and then they're all going to do it so had i walked them out individually potentially would not have had this problem mm. however they no longer bark at the deer family they have accepted them into the family <laughs> and they will get them every year hopefully because i'm really hoping i can reuse them <laughs> <laughs> i hope so so with christmas that often brings other problems for people who have multiple dogs because you can have company over or you can have doggy house guests. Are you having anyone, Chris, for Christmas? Mm, not for Christmas, I don't believe. Nope. I'm not having any people or dogs over from Christmas. I sound like a Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't going decorate, no friends or family. Well, I think that dog. I used to decorate. I used to get a tree and you could go and get a live tree from Nult and then it's in a pot. And then when you're done, you can return it or plant it. It was great. You don't have a tree? No, because I don't have visitors. No, do you know where I live? I go to other people's You don't get a houses. tree for like yourself and Scotty? No. 
Okay, I'm shocked. I would do a tree if I lived alone in a cabin in the woods. Like, I would still do a tree. <laughs> I have lots of trees. They're just outdoors. Do you decorate them? You don't decorate them. They don't count. <laughs> They're not Christmas trees. <laughs> Where do you put your presents? We don't, we, we don't do presents. Do you celebrate Christmas? No. Well, with oh, my family, well, I do. But we go like to my family's house and do it there. But we don't really do it at home. Okay. So you just have a different holiday experience. I'm sure all, all of our listeners, some of them might not even celebrate Christmas at all. But uh, we do it big out here. <laughs> I fully decorate. I have a stepdaughter, though. So I think when you have a child, um, oh, you yeah. tend to do more for Christmas. Although I love Christmas. I would do it, like, even if I lived alone. And that was that. Was that. Yeah. When I had stepkids, we did the whole thing, lights and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're doing Christmas. We probably won't have extra people over because we don't have family that lives near us. So it'll be um, myself, my husband, my father who lives with us, and then my stepdaughter will be here. Although not on Christmas Day, we get her later. So it'll it'll be pretty low key versus when we have people over for like a dinner party. That's kind of tough. And I would say the last time I did that, which was recently, um, my dog struggled with it actually. And I, I did I brought them out in stages. So story is bomb proof. She she goes to work with James. She's in an office with people all day. It's really not a big deal for her. So she's just loose when people show up. And then I had Frankie Pickles out. But ever since we had that um break-in, she's been reacting to people that come in the house sometimes. Not consistently, but sometimes. So like our cleaners who come every two weeks, she was reacting to them. And they're the best. They just sit on the floor with her and they let her come Aww. to the, them on their own turns. And they give her cookies on the floor. Like they don't even hand them to her. And she's still having a hard time with that. And then we had a bunch of people over that Frankie knows uh, because they're from our baseball team. And Frankie comes to baseball games. So like she knows them all. <laughs> They've all held her and loved her. And she's quite happy with them at the ballpark. Um, but with them coming in the house was hard. And she was she was not even wanting to take food. That's how hard it was for her. Oh, poor little thing. Yeah. So she sat in my lap a lot and we let her just take it in. And then once she adjusted and was happy, I brought the blue dogs in. And Navy, um, she comes in a little excited and then she's fine. But Fable didn't really want certain people moving around the house. <laughs> so they get up and move around she was barking at them and specifically kind of targeting young petite females oh that's different i know super strange so that's going to be a big project of mine to work on and we'll probably have like our friends over again not too long from now so we'll be practicing uh that because i don't love that otherwise like if it continues i pretty much won't put my dogs loose in the house with visitors then because mm -hmm. it's borderline going to escalate into something I really don't want. I already don't want her following people around barking at them. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. want it escalating to like jumping on them or potentially becoming like more of a fear behavior where she's growling or becoming more reactive than she already is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to work on that with her and Frankie Pickles and not at the same time. So this is the thing. When you have multiple dogs that are having trouble with people coming into your house, you sometimes will have to divide your dogs up and work on them completely separately. Mm -hmm. Because if I was trying to work that way. 
yeah, if I tried to work them all at the same time, I think it would be detrimental. So th that's a situation where I do use my vehicle and I have crates in my vehicle. So my dogs are quite comfortable to go and wait there. If you don't have that option, I'd recommend setting up like a crate or a relaxation space for your dog in a room of the house that a visitor would never go in mm -hmm. so that they at least have a quiet place to go. That's what I do here when, when I do have visitors, which is not very often. Um, my old dog is perfect. She's just loose and I don't mm -hmm. ever put her away. And once she says hi, she's good. Um, and then my eight year old border collie, he's pretty good. He just needs to be told not to keep throwing toys in their lap. Um, because that's not why they're here. Just to entertain him. So he needs to be reminded that, that he can go and lie down on his bed. <laughs> um, and he does know that he just needs some reminders because if the person makes eye contact with him or goes, Oh, aren't you cute? That's an invitation to play. Right. Um, <laughs> so, and we don't have to wrong though, really. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's right. It's, it really is all about Enzo, but the other two, the young two, Riker and Jubilee, both love visitors, love, 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 love visitors. And there's no aggression. There's no issues. They're just like, Oh my gosh, pet me. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. They're both, absolutely lovely but they both also have resource guarding tendencies and if there's a high value resource in the room such as a visitor we might get resource guarding or will likely get resource guarding so i rotate which one of them is in my bedroom or Riker might that be on the bed. but usually i switch yeah. because they Riker would like to be sitting next to or on the person and jubilee would like to be sitting at their feet or in their lap and uh uh, if they're both there, that, that could be a problem that the guest isn't really prepared to handle. So I rotate which of them is out, or I'll keep one with me and let the other visit and structure it that way. But sometimes I just want to visit and not train my dogs. It sounds like you need more visitors at once. I, yeah, that would be great. I think if you had four visitors, there'd be one person for each dog and they would all be happy. Then. <laughs> yeah. If I had more visitors, the excitement about having a visitor would likely diminish but because it's so rare like maybe once a, oh well i have to have the house cleaners that come in weekly um so maybe you know once five times a month i have somebody in the house and that's just that's not a pretty lot. often that is pretty often that's more frequently oh, than a lot of the clients i see the house cleaners actually only come every two weeks so it's about three times a month yeah yeah it's still yeah, not bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, some some of the clients I've seen who have issues with um, dogs and visitors literally don't have anyone come in their house for months on yeah. end, and that is hard to practice, guys. Like you need yeah. to make some friends and invite them over more if you want to work. <laughs> I have uh, two clients right now. Uh, both have young adolescent German shepherds. Both have that exact same issue. One is. Um, a little bit older, a little bit more serious, and the other one is just much more f completely fear-based, um, but it, pretty extreme reactions, and they don't have people over. So the dogs are lovely mm -hmm. on walks or can adjust very quickly on walks. They need a little bit of help still. So I set them up together, and now they help each other by going over without their dog and helping as a visitor. That's really great. That is really smart. Why, thank you, Jane. <laughs> no, like, I've never even thought about doing that. <laughs> I think it's for I me, mean, it usually tell people they have to order fast food. 
<laughs> I think it was really um, because they have the same breed and similar age, both bitches. Like it just kind of works well. Whereas if it was somebody with an anxious, barky Eskimo dog and somebody yeah. with a Corso, you know, they they might not be a match. The person that owns the little dog might be pretty scared of that Corso barking. <laughs> yeah, no, they need to have similar size dogs at least. Yeah. yeah. But it worked out really yeah. well. They're doing lots of practices. It's great. Well, all your dog trainers out there, take note. This <laughs> is a good strategy for your clients that struggle with having, you know, volunteers to help them with their visitor dog training. Smart, smart play. <laughs> well, we did want to talk about enrichment strategies because along with Christmas and our cold weather, uh, I don't get out as much. I actually literally couldn't drive my vehicle for five days, couldn't get out of my driveway. Um, so we've been home and I don't want to run them on the ice because I've seen quite a few paw injuries from clients. So uh, we've been housebound a lot lately. And I know you're still out there hiking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I go way out and it's snow. It's not the same as like sidewalks and things where it melts and, mm -hmm. and freezes and melts and freezes. I'm not worried about my dog's feet out where I go, but my older dog can't, she has a bum, bum knee and she's blind and she can't handle it. It's way too stressful if there's much snow on the ground or if it's slippery. Mm -hmm. So she's staying home when I would normally bring her with me. Um, and I found out that my young dog needs a jacket because she was violently shivering. <laughs> <laughs> so it changes things for sure and it's dark so early so i'm really not out hiking as often not because of the snow but because it's dark at 4 30. yeah i found that too because i usually start training and instead of having two hours with my dogs i get an hour of daylight if i'm lucky mm -hmm. so yeah it's been a lot more home stuff for us and i'm sure you're doing it too yeah so what have you been doing my main thing is to fill up all of my topples and Kongs and I have quite the collection <laughs> so that when the dogs are like, Hey, we, we need a walk. We're a little bit fussy. We we're not getting our needs met. I can go, mm -hmm. here you go. <laughs> Why don't you chew on this for a little bit? And I've got little small Kongs and big Kongs and small topples and other brands. And it doesn't have to be a whole big meal. And I've cut their meals back when I'm doing, when I'm giving those treats too. Yeah, so let's talk about that a bit, because I know a lot of times when we do enrichment, it involves feeding, and there is concern that dogs will become overweight from this. So when I do a Kong, I don't use really any peanut butter anymore, because I've been informed by many sources that it's full of sugar and high calorie. <laughs> it's not necessarily the best thing to use. So I've been exploring um, different options and foods that my dogs might eat. I've discovered that Navy really likes broccoli, like a lot. <laughs> um, so she's been getting some feeding puzzle toys with broccoli in them. Um, Frankie Pickles also kind of likes broccoli. She's still adjusting, but she likes snap peas. Like there's different things you can try and feed in your um, feeding toys. Mm -hmm. I, I just use kibble and a canned version of their kibble for mm -hmm. the most part, but that still is higher calories than vegetables. The other thing Jubilee loves all of them love, but especially her, is a, the, a big carrot. You know, if you buy a big bag of carrots and there's a really thick yep. ones that kind of woody, well, I just chop a bit of that off for her, a big chunk of that, and give her that as a chew toy. 
And she mm -hmm. just thinks that's phenomenal. Of course, we want to watch that for a choking hazard, but I watch her mm -hmm. when she's eating them. And she, and that's pretty low calorie, maybe kind of higher in sugar, but not bad. Yeah. One of the other things I recently learned too is I use um, baby food. Oh, nice. Do you know those little packs of baby yeah. food? So obviously, guys, don't overdo it with the fruit. Uh, <laughs> 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 Aesthetic, but most of the time when it's made for babies, it's really easy to digest. Obviously, check the mix of like what's in each one to make sure it's dog safe. But we do a lot of those and they all like it. And incidentally, my rats also really like baby food. So <laughs> I do enrichment for everybody with that now. And it's it's been nice. And the little packs of baby food, you can take them when you're working outside and just like squeeze into the dog's mouth. So your hands mm -hmm. don't get cold. You can wear gloves. <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of a nice, a nice option. Um, the other thing I do do is I do bones. Uh, we've done tendons before too. Mm -hmm. I, I there's so much information about bones and tendons from different sources on whether they're safe or not. And honestly, it is so dog specific. Oh, so 100%. Yeah. So I like them. I use them with my dogs. Um, I do recommend everybody make sure they watch their dogs. <laughs> I've worked with a lot of bulldogs that will swallow very large tendons or bones whole uh, without chewing them. And uh, I don't want anyone to experience like a choking issue or broken teeth, but um, they can be a really good enrichment option for dogs. If Yeah, I if stopped using bones for my guys because everybody except my youngest has a fractured teeth from them. Um, mm -hmm. So I choose not to use them. And I was feeding a lot of bully sticks, but mm -hmm. I gave them bully sticks and there was about six inches left for uh, Jubilee had one. There's about six inches left. And somebody knocked on the door and she wanted to go to see who it was, but she didn't want to leave her bully stick, but she didn't want to bring it with her. So she swallowed yep. six inches of bully stick luckily she vomited it back right back up within five minutes because we were on our way to emerge yep so that's um, what the bulldogs have done to me <laughs> <laughs> i don't feed those things either so i tend to stay with the frozen food toys and i used to put like blueberries in them or stick a carrot in it and freeze it um mm -hmm. but now i just typically use their food yeah i found if you get like a knuckle bone they're less likely to fracture teeth because they chew them more with their back jaw. Like yeah. the bones are not all created equal and not every dog is the same. And you just kind of have to weigh it out what works for you, but they can be a good option. And there's so many different chew products out there, guys. Like be careful, be discerning, read reviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. we feed, like James has gotten greenies for story before. We'll use those oh, yeah. on occasion. Um, yeah, you can kind of play with this. But mm -hmm. dentist six lasts my dogs all of 30 seconds. Oh, that's the problem with Story. She, as well, is a quick eater of things. Uh, the other three are not, so I get more bang for my buck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, everything in the world has risks. Everything. As mm -hmm. soon as you wake up in the morning, or even if you don't, <laughs> there are <laughs> risks with every single activity. Do you leave your dog's collars on and they could get caught? Do you take them off and then they get loose and have no ID? You know, like everything you choose to do or not do with your dog has risks and you have to weigh it out for yourself because there is no right answer. This is what you do. This is 
you have to go, this is my specific dog. These are the risks involved. And this is where I'm comfortable being. And it's all yeah. very individual. Yep, a hundred percent. And like, I am a collar free home because my dogs grab and wrestle each other's necks. So the chance mm -hmm. of getting hooked a jaw in a collar at my house is really high. Yeah. So, and in my house, my dogs don't wrestle. So the mm -hmm. border collies who are the only two likely to actually Riker too. Everybody except my old <laughs> blind dog does wear their collar with their ID, but yeah. Max isn't going to leave. So she can be naked, yeah. but the other ones, yeah. but they don't, they don't wrestle. If, if I found out Riker was wrestling with a border collie, I would just assume <laughs> I'd fallen into another dimension. <laughs> Something's yeah, wrong. So it's definitely about knowing your individual dog and weighing out the risk of each thing you choose for them. So finding appropriate chewing outlets, whatever it might be for your dog, is great enrichment for crappy weather days. So whether it's puzzle toys or snuffle mats or bones or dog safe shoes, whatever you need to do, just make sure you watch them closely, <laughs> especially if the dog's new to you or it's a foster dog or anything like that, because their behavior can change over time and you might not expect something to happen like what happened with Jubilee and the doorbell. Yeah. But yeah. when you know your dog and you've been using the same shoes for a extended period of time, I am comfortable leaving my dogs unsupervised with a topple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, topples are pretty, you know, pretty low risk. Kong. Like the risks there are pretty low. So I'm comfortable with that, but I mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily leave them alone with something like a bully stick if I chose to give that again, just because of you my know experience. You funny though? My worst incident ever was actually with a Kong. <laughs> we had was to rush a dog stick? to emerge. It was the whole lower jaw got hooked in through the hole in the Kong. And we had to take Ooh. this dog to emerge and get the Kong cut off his mouth. And um, he wasn't one of my dogs. Uh, and the Kong was the correct size for the dog in that case. Like it's, you can have something go wrong with anything. It Even mm -hmm. the vet was shocked this had happened. So like, that's the thing. Topples, I feel like are really low, low risk. Like it'd be very hard to yeah. get a topple hooked on a jaw. Um, yeah. But yeah, Kongs, I don't trust them now because I've seen that. <laughs> I still use Kongs, but we, we use them supervised. But yeah, it, yeah, stuff can really actually go wrong with anything. So just supervise your dogs and get an idea on how they eat and chew and hold things in their mouth. But there's things outside of just puzzle toys and shoes that you can do with your dogs for enrichment. So if you guys want to check out our YouTube, I posted a little preview last week of our podcast. And you, so can see, you can see videos of the dogs doing certain activities. And one of the things Chris has filmed is her dogs doing obstacle courses. So do you want to talk about how you set those up? Sure. <laughs> I love them. They're, um, I call them the labyrinth. And I take <laughs> X pens usually, and I make kind of a path. And then I'll take my climbs or kitchen chairs or couch cushions, and I'll make it so that there's sections where they have to go kind of through a narrow space. And that's a confidence builder for two of my dogs who are a bit worried about that. Or they might have to go over a bunch of pillows, which is kind of weird, or over a bunch of balanced wobbly objects, or they might have to go under something. And I make a whole path and it can be quite long. And mm -hmm. that I show them, I put a little piece of kibble or a treat at the end. And then 
um, which they can see through the X pen. And I'll, I'll kind of point them towards the entrance if it's a new one. And uh, their job is to try to figure out their way through without my help. Yeah, and it's three interesting courses you built. Like we put uh, <laughs> two clips up in the video of, well, three clips really of different obstacle courses. And some of them are fancy dog sport equipment that Christina has. But some of it's like you could really just do it at home with some throw pillows, some dining room table mm -hmm. chairs. Like it, you could use boxes. Like you guys can get pretty creative. Pretend you're a kid. I would like to get a box. I'm really excited for shopping. <laughs> I want to buy something big so that I can have a big box and cut a hole through it. So they have to go like into the box and then out the <laughs> other side or maybe out the top of the box. I think that'll be cool, <laughs> except for not Max. Not, I make things simpler for the dogs who aren't as advanced in their skills. So you need to buy a fridge. But I don't need a fridge. Well, How about it sounds like you need a fridge box. box? Someone, <laughs> someone send Christina a box that a fridge can fit in. <laughs> and she can make levels in that. I do this with my rats. I build them cardboard. Um, rat maze houses for them to do enrichment mm -hmm. in all the time but it is harder with dogs if they're big i could probably do one for frankie pickles though mm -hmm. now i'm tempted to do it i will be i will do it after christmas because we will have boxes <laughs> jade's gonna go buy a fridge <laughs> <laughs> i'm not buying a fridge frankie pickles is six pounds <laughs> <laughs> the uh, other thing i like you can do with cardboard is just make a big pile of it and toss kibble in it so it's like a giant snuffle mat big pieces of cardboard instead of a little snuffle mat or you can let your dog just shred the cardboard if there are a lot of terriers really like shredding things mm -hmm. so you can let them shred that that's another great enrichment activity um so many things you can do yeah you can do the box within a box within a box game like you do with children when they're unwrapping stuff yeah i try to make them pretty easy for them to get into while they're learning the game um but i've done it with when i had terriers my aussies aren't as into it although they'll open their christmas presents <laughs> when we do christmas we help them we start the tear of the wrapping paper a little bit and then they get into it quite a bit so that's fun i mean with christmas coming there's so much you guys are going to have access to like even um wrapping paper rolls my dogs mm -hmm. like to like i'll fight them i'll call it fighting but i'll i'll fight them with it like i'll tap them and then they'll bite it and then we'll play tug of war with them and that I like as a communal dog activity is quite fun they really my, like that one my youngest if you you know if you put the christmas wrapping paper tube up to your mouth and you can make that fun noise yeah she loses her mind like not not afraid <laughs> but she's like what are we doing and then it's game on and then we can play that play fight is like a little pretend sword and, and she bites it and tugs it and attacks it <laughs> it's really cute. jubilee wants that for christmas i can arrange that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's so many things the other one i really liked oh so the goal of any of these puzzles is that your dog has fun solving it if you make it too hard for your dog's education level and they're frustrated that is the opposite of what we want. We want them to have fun and feel good about themselves about solving this puzzle. If it's too hard, you're going to have a sad puppy who's frustrated and that's not, not our goal at all. So really make sure that your puppy, dog, any age, is having fun with it, not, um, not frustrated or not feeling that it's too hard for them. 
another yeah, one. Yeah, I, I know really the like tenacity too. level of your dog. Like, <laughs> yeah. Story and Fable are pretty tenacious. But if I gave Navy something that was just as difficult to do, she just would quit. I like, and I know she would just quit. <laughs> and then I'm really teaching her to not do it versus if she can get a win with just a little bit of obstacle to overcome, then I could build it up over time. And I, I found that with training, I have to take that into account too. She just doesn't have the capacity to work at the same level. So if you mm -hmm. have dogs, even if they're similar ages and breeds, really take in account the dog's individual personality when you're coming up with like your ideas and they might need to have different levels. Like when Christina makes her obstacle courses, Riker and Maxie get very different courses <laughs> than her border collies. Like Maxie's blind and older and Riker is a smaller dog. And it's just, you have to make sure it's appropriate for them. Yeah. The whole goal is for them to have fun. Mm -hmm. Lots and lots of fun. So sometimes you start out really easy. Like I have a cup game I play where it's like that carnival game where you have three cups <laughs> and I'll put a cookie under one and then we shuffle them around. Well, the first time I play it with the dog, I only use two cups and not three. And <laughs> I make it super, super easy. Like the cup might have holes in it so that it's easy to like access the treat and be excited that there's one in there. And you kind of work your way up to make it harder. For Frankie, I used um, paper or toilet paper rolls yep. when we play it. So she can bite it and rip it apart after because that's like extra fun. But you can you can fool around with it. Just make it easy when you're starting them. They don't <laughs> know did, what we uh, want. <laughs> I like to take a bin. I call it the magic box. And mm -hmm. you can use a laundry basket or I've got smaller ones for smaller dogs. You want to make it something that and then you put whatever in it. So it might just be an empty box or you might throw a bunch of toilet paper rolls in it or you might throw your recycling in it. If it's if you're working on sound sensitivity, I'll put like um, gravel or coins in water bottles in it or I might put mm -hmm. a cooking sheet on top but the dog gets to move those things in order to get the food or treats that you sprinkle out inside of it. Mm -hmm. Super fun for them. Yeah, and they're controlling the sound and the noise. Although again, for some fearful dogs, that might be too intense, but for lots of them, it would be a confidence boosting activity yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. When great. you have anxiety, feeling in control is a great way to build confidence. So I like that because they create the movement, they create the sound. So know your dog, but for a lot of dogs, that's wonderful. Yeah. That became super apparent to me when I was training the teeter with a sound sensitive mm -hmm. dog. She was terrified of loud noises, like to the point where in agility, if we had a loud noise, like a furnace coming on in our training center, she would stop running on course. Aww. And um, we played a little game with the teeter where we kind of had it backwards. So it was propped up and it would be only like an inch above the ground. So she learned that she, if she put her little paw on it, it would bang, but it wasn't going to go anywhere or move very much. Or, and she wasn't doing this at speed and she'd get a treat every time she made the teeter bang. And it really helped with the sound sensitivity. And I wish I had known more like games I could play with her at the time. Cause obviously it never fully went away. She had a medical condition that caused it. Um, but she definitely got over the teeter banging and some of the other yeah. sounds in the training center from that. That that's how we start all the puppies now. The bang game. I'm laughing a bit because my Molly rat is uh giving frankie pickles eyes right now i have like a built-in enrichment for my dachshund because i have rats 
<laughs> and she, she spends part of her day just looking at rats and investigating rats and being excited about rats because we have some. Which is kind of, I guess, if you were like on a farm and you had stock for your herding dogs, it'd be kind of similar. Yeah. And enrichment doesn't have to be all food. With Riker, he's um, a little guard dog. So we will sit, I'll have my coffee and I'll hold him in my arms or I'll sit in the in a chair on the deck if it's not disgusting out and we'll watch people. I'm like, who's mm -hmm. that? Who's there? What's going on? He's like, oh yeah, we got this. So enrichment <laughs> can be any kind of activity that really stimulates your dog. It doesn't have to be food. You can go out and get scent from a friend's dog or from somebody's horse or and scent from anywhere where your dog isn't familiar with that scent and bring that home as enrichment. It doesn't have to be food. Yeah, I used to use a bird feeder outside a window. My pointer and I would watch birds together <laughs> uh, for different reasons. But because his bird watching response was to watch and point, um, and he enjoyed it and he knew that was all the game. He knew he wasn't going to chase them or anything. So it was something we did together almost every morning while I had a tea. It was lovely. Yep. I am. Yeah. Um, have horses and I don't allow dogs to herd horses because that's dangerous. <laughs> But I have a little game with Jubilee where she helps me with the horses every time I go out and I send her around and she lies down behind a gate and then I go do something and I call her back and she comes behind the other gate. So she's hurting, but she's not hurting horses in a way that's going to get her kicked in the head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're giving a portion of the behavior, but very controlled settings. So everyone yes. is safe, which is what she's we're doing with the rats too. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. not have access to them. <laughs> she cannot hurt them. They are my my little fur kids. I love them. Uh, we have a little X pen around their cage so she can't access their little toes. But it oh. still can be nice for her to sit in my lap and watch them. And they're not scared of her. So yeah. it's enrichment it's shouldn't put now. other animals in a state of fear or you know impact no. their quality of life. Um, but. Um, if you can do things like that safely. We watch the deer through the window when they're in the backyard. Mm -hmm. We'll sit there and watch the deer and they're like, oh, who's that? And they'll kind of run to another window so they can watch them as the deer run around the house. But if the dogs were, you know, barking and agitated and hitting the window, I wouldn't allow that activity. Yeah, because then you're creating a bad behavior that you don't, well, an undesirable behavior that you don't want. <laughs> Behaviors are not bad or good, really. They're just desirable or undesirable to us. So, in yeah, you don't want context. to promote <laughs> anything that can transfer in a negative setting. But yeah. there's ways to kind of meet some needs that way. The other thing I do for enrichment um, is I do trick training with my dogs. Winter's kind of the time for it. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not the only one that does that. Because in the spring, <laughs> freestyle, everyone's got all these cute new things they've added in. I can't get myself motivated the last couple of years to train tricks. But I really enjoy training healing and obedience moves and rally type of thing. So I'm I'm doing the same thing, but I'm doing it with more rally and obedience type stuff because I'm kind of that's that. what I used to do. <laughs> and I switched kind over of like, to tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Enrichment should be good for us too. Like I enjoy watching my dogs do the little labyrinth. I enjoy mm -hmm. doing something. If you don't enjoy doing it, find something that you enjoy doing and your dog enjoys doing. Absolutely. And there's lots of books and YouTubes and videos and stuff about different enrichment things. So mm -hmm. if you're not finding any of our ideas would fit you or your dog, like th those are not the limit on ideas. There is so much cool stuff oh, people do. Now. Nose work. 
Nose work is a fantastic activity for any dog can do nose work. I mean, as long as it has a sense of smell. Puppies as young as five weeks old, my 12-year-old blind dog can do it. Everybody can mm -hmm. do nose work. That's a great one for inside in the winter. Yeah. And rally obedience is actually the reason I ever did that sport was because I could train it in my house, in my hallways. Mm -hmm. I could train my dogs in tandem so they can do rally as a group, uh, which sounds <laughs> kind of funny, but I'm not overly particular about everything being perfect. Uh, it's a fun mm -hmm. sport we do. We do pretty well at it, but I'll do them together or in like threes or fours even. It's fine. You can compete yeah. in brace and rally where there's two dogs at the same time. So as long as your dogs will work um, for food safely together, you can train some of this stuff, multiple dogs at the same time. I actually just started training brace with the two border collies <laughs> and broke this day and started healing with this. And I thought, hey, this is really cute. <laughs> and yeah. Jubilee didn't mind. And he's got his neck like wrapped around her chest and looking up at me from <laughs> underneath her head. It's really cute. <laughs> but it's not there for forging. So, <laughs> so yeah, sometimes if you're like going to be particular about your sport, don't use it in that way. But if if you just do some stuff for fun, you can play with it. Not everything needs to be perfect. It can be just fun for you and your dog to get through, you know, the lack of daylight and the kind of, you know, less fun months of the year where yeah. we can't be out hiking all day and night like Christina likes to. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. So hard right now. <laughs> Did you have any other ideas at all you wanted to chat about? I think I'm good. I mean, I could probably go on and on and on about enrichment, but I think that's um, the other one I'm doing right now is fitness. I have a fitness trainer for my dogs mm -hmm. and for myself. Um, I don't consider it enrichment for me because I don't enjoy it. Um, I do enjoy feeling strong. <laughs> but I think it I, is dog... enrichment for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but the dogs love their fitness lessons. Absolutely love it. So three, four days a week, I do the little routine that's been set out for us by our instructor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that can be totally a good option there, too. Again, it's mm -hmm. something else you can train that has benefits for the animal mentally and physically. Yeah. So that and yourself break. that way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. uh, anything else you think can think of? Uh, no, not off the top of my head, but I would love to see people post their videos of doing enrichment or photos of mm. enrichment or just talk about enrichment in the group and share their ideas. We're building a community of people that have lots of different types of dogs and ages of dogs. And it would be cool to see what you guys come up with in the Facebook group. Yeah, I know uh, some of my students have been sending me videos already. So I hope that you post them in the group once you hear this. Maybe I'll send a few people little reminders or notes <laughs> yeah give them a little tap tell them to post them because we love yeah. seeing your dogs and we'd love to see what you guys do with your dogs It'd be very cool mm -hmm. everyone likes seeing dogs <laughs> yeah so we're gonna wish everyone a happy holidays and we will be back with our next podcast episode in january mm -hmm. happy 2022 <laughs> <laughs> all right guys see you next year Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you'd like more information, don't forget to check out our website, our Facebook group, our page, and our blog post.